Right, Psalm 129, God's word says this, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Hear this, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long furrows. The Lord is righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. We all enjoy, and I think our culture uh, enjoys... Gritty stories of survival, survival stories. Someone's getting been knocked down and, and got back up again. One of my personal favorite survival stories is a film uh, from the late 80s in 1989. A film named Glory came out. You guys remember that film Glory? Uh, depicts uh, the 54th Massachusetts Regiment during the Civil War, uh, which, if you know a little bit of history, was the first black volunteer force in the Civil War. Uh, they fought on the side of the North. The film follows these, these, survivals, these, fi- these survivors fighting for uh, the freedom of their families and the friends. And the movie uh, culminates, the ending of the movie, it culminates in their unsuccessful attempt to overtake Fort Wagner in South Carolina. But, but this is not the most memorable part of the movie for me. The night before the mission, uh, if you'll recall this movie, if you've seen this movie, if not, you need to watch it. Uh, the soldiers gather around the campfire and they're singing together this chant-like song uh, to the Lord, calling upon the Lord's mercy. And, and each of the men take a turn praying a prayer as they know they're getting ready to, to head to this battle. It's, it's cold. Uh, you can see their breath and, and the fire crackling as they sing and clap. And, and Sergeant Major Rollins, who's played by uh, actor Morgan Freeman, I love Morgan Freeman, takes his turn, turn. He's kind of the leader. He's the leader of the troops. Takes his turn calming the chant-like song, and, and it calms down, and they're, they're clapping quietly. And he says these words, Lord, we stand before you this evening to say thank you. We thank you, Father, for your grace and your many blessings. Now I run off and left all my youngins and my kinfolk in bondage. So I'm standing here this evening, Heavenly Father, to ask your blessing on all of us so that that if tomorrow is our great getting up morning, if tomorrow we have to meet the judgment day, our Heavenly Father, we want you to, to let our folks know that we died facing the enemy. And I want you to hear this part. We want them to know that we went down standing up amongst those that are fighting against our, hear this word, oppression. We want them to know, Heavenly Father, that we died for freedom. We ask these blessings, he says, in Jesus' name. And then he says, amen, three times. Amen, amen, and amen. And then the men start clapping louder and singing again. Today, family, we talk about survival. We talk about survival. The history of of God's people is a history of survival, of, of keeping going on the journey. The men of the 54th Regiment knew about survival. Many were, were runaway slaves, going back to fight for the freedom of their kin and their friends, pushing back against oppression, tired of their backs being plowed by the whip. 
And in the same way, God's people are also survivors. They survived and were delivered from the oppression of the Egyptians, and they survived under poor leadership by their earthly kings, and they survived in foreign exile. And we, church, have survived throughout centuries of persecution. We not only survive, but, but flourish whenever... Here, we see this fact play out in redemptive history. Whenever God's people are oppressed and struck down and dismayed, they grow and endure, don't they? They grow and endure. It, it makes no earthly sense that the church still exists today, but it does. And it shows the faithfulness of the Lord and the promise that Jesus said that he would build his church upon this rock. And so God's people will survive. So we're going to le- look at, at three points of survival this morning that we can draw from Psalm 129. Surviving is this, number one. Surviving is looking back. Surviving is looking back. You may say, well, my therapist said I shouldn't look back. This psalm tells you to look back. That's what the, God's people are looking back. There's, there's an element of survival that looks back and does this, acknowledges what has happened in the past. There's an acknowledgement of what happened in the past. In this psalm, we see uh, the, the looking back first by, by an individual. So I believe, again, these are journey songs. The, the Jews would sing these as they pilgrimaged up to Jerusalem for festival, that there would be an individual that would begin the psalm, and then the group would begin in singing along with them. It says this in verses 1 to 3. This is the individual. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Then they would have said, let Israel now say. Then everybody would gather together and begin to sing. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Underline this in your notes. Underline this next line. It says this, yet they have not prevailed against me. Sounds like a survivor, doesn't it? it says the, and then it gives the reality of what they face. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. That's, that's not a pleasant picture, is it? Oftentimes in battle, in these times, uh, uh, the, the oxen and the mule, they would put, put plows on the back of them and they would plow furrows into the field. And there's actually documented history that in, in battle, when, when an army would be defeated, they would just plow over their bodies and, and put them into the land. So this is a very real picture. In context, it's, it's obvious this statement is a direct correlation to the early history of Israel. A history marked with oppression under the Egyptian pharaoh after a season of flourishing. So the the Israelites flourished in Egypt for a time, and then they were oppressed. A history of hard and toilsome labor with lashes across the backs of God's people. Again, the the Psalms of Ascent are journey songs sung by pilgrims heading to Jerusalem, singing aloud together the afflictions of their ancestors and also acknowledging the difficult history of their own oppression and trauma. Likewise, we, we also remember the trauma of those who have gone before us. It's so important, church family, to remember the past, remember the church and the history of the church, to remember where we came from. It's important for us to remember all the saints who have stood firm in the midst of persecution to carry on the faith that has saved us from the tyranny of sin and death. Christians who stood firm in the face of certain death during the Roman Empire and the early church, who stood firm just a few hundred years ago, reforming 
and, and preserving true biblical Christianity in the Reformation era of the church. Christians who willingly laid down their lives to translate the Bible that we have here today. They were burned at the stake for putting this in our language. And it would do us well to remember the Christians who, who continue to thrive in the midst of, of persecution in places like China and Asia and the Middle East and in Africa. Although we ourselves here in, in the West have enjoyed a time of flourishing, let us not also take for granted the reality that this is the reality that trauma and persecution may be awaiting the Western church in the very near future. We also do this, though. We also look back to those among us, among our our congregation and, and our communities who have survived and are surviving personal trauma. One of the realities that I've faced in ministry and ministering to others is this. It's the depth of darkness that does indeed exist in the lives of people in our church and in our communities. The survivors among us of trauma and abuse. Women who have been abused at the hands of their spouses or by the words of their spouses. Our young who may have have been sexually abused or those who have faced difficulties in life due to the color of their skin. We look back with you, survivors, and cry out to God alongside you Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth. Hear these words, but they have not prevailed against me. We stand with you, survivors. We pray for you. We are here for you. And we seek collective forgiveness where perhaps, and and we face this reality as the church, where the church has fallen short in listening and receiving your trauma and responding appropriately. That has happened. There are sexual abuse survivors in the church that went to their pastors and their pastors did nothing. And I stand before you as a representative of the church and I seek your forgiveness if you have experienced that. The good news is this. That we have a God who delights in hearing our prayers and comforting his people. And so surviving is is, is not only looking back. We don't want to stay in the past looking back. But also, number two, it's looking up. It's looking up. We see this in Psalm 129. As the voices of God's people would have sung aloud together, the song shifts to looking up to the heavens with this declaration. Hear these words from verses 4 to 8. God's people proclaiming this truth. The Lord is righteous. It says this, He has cut the cords of the wicked. That's good news, family says, may all who hate Zion be put to shame and turned backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetop, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. The attributes of God 
that we draw from Scripture. So the things that the Bible tells us about God, who He is and, and how He acts, must encourage us to, to look up. The Bible is clear here in Psalm 129. The Bible is clear. It says, the Lord is what? Righteous. The Lord is righteous. And this psalm declares also this truth. Because of His righteousness, He has cut the cords of the wicked. God, hear this family, God will prevail. God will overcome. And His people, we know this, will what? Survive. His people will survive. It's the way we've always existed. Again, it makes no sense that the church should exist with all the persecution that has happened. And yet, especially in places where the church is severely persecuted, say China, the church is exploding. The people of God are exploding and flourishing. And the gospel is going out and it's transforming lives because God's people will survive. Our eternity is secure in Christ. Jesus himself said these words. In this world you will have trouble, he says this, but take heart what? I have overcome the world. Even as we live a life filled with turning our cheek and forgiving those who trespass against us, this doesn't mean that God ceases to be righteous. The Lord is righteous, his word says. He is righteous and sovereign and just. He will bring His judgment to pass upon those who do not repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus. Those who oppress and persecute the church and other areas of the world, they're doing this. They're they're heaping eternal judgment on themselves. But our hope is for those who oppress and persecute the church. Our hope is not that they perish, but that they would see the witness of Christians and that they would repent of their sin and that they too would follow after Jesus. This, in fact, is the pattern of redemption that we've seen throughout the history of the church. That the Romans saw the way the Christians suffered and they said, I want some of that. I want meaning and purpose in my life. I want to follow after a God that loves me deeply like Jesus did. I want to be alive like the Christians are alive. Shifting now. Looking to our our community and and seeing the, the trauma that exists within our communities. The abuse survivors among us. I invite you this morning, look up to God who is indeed righteous and will not let the sins of those who have abused and oppressed go unpunished. And so we can do this. We can let go and forgive those who have wronged us. Why? Because the Lord is righteous. Because the Lord is righteous. He will handle it. Let me be clear now. Let me be very clear. If you are being abused, if you're experiencing trauma in your life, please get help. Reach out to someone you trust and get help. And by all means, contact the proper authorities. You don't have to continue to live in that type of environment. Get to a place of safety. And hear this truth, God is righteous and He will not allow oppression to continue on. 
persecution does not last forever. Your trauma will be avenged by the Lord. His word says again, he has cut the cords of what? The wicked. He has cut the cords of the wicked. We see this play out in Genesis 3.15 and Colossians 2.15. I'll read them to you quickly. They're not in your notes. Genesis 3.15 is a promise of the future Messiah. It's a promise of God. God says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman he's speaking to the serpent who is Satan. And between your offspring and her offspring, hear this, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Let's see how this plays out. Colossians 2.15 says this, Paul gives us these words says this of Jesus, it says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. The context of this is that Paul is talking about the cross. That prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He has cut the cords of the wicked. And with that, point number three, surviving is looking to the cross. Surviving is looking to the cross. The Christian gospel family is a story of survival and redemption. God's purpose for humanity will not be thwarted, and God's glory will not be undermined. In Jesus, God took the initiative. He took the work into His own hands in the person and work of His Son, Jesus. We know this, that that the Word of God points to the Word, as John says, who became flesh. In other words, hear this truth, all of the Bible points to Jesus. It all points to the cross. We see Jesus, if if we look to Psalm 129, we see Jesus all throughout this psalm. Jesus is, hear these words, Jesus is the one who was greatly afflicted from his youth. Jesus is the one whose very back was plowed with whips at the command of Pilate and the cries of the Jews. Jesus is the one who bore our sins and trauma on the cross. Jesus is the one who died bodily and was bodily laid in the tomb. Jesus is the one who was victorious over sin and death when he raised to victory family on the third day. Jesus is the one who ascended to heaven where he is ruling and reigning for all eternity. Jesus Christ, his word says, the righteous. He has cut the cords of the wicked. This psalm points to the work of Christ. In another place of scripture, if you look to your notes, about 600 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, penned these words, foretelling of the one who has come to save sinners and sufferers. Isaiah 53. I tried to take a chunk out of Isaiah 53 so we could shorten this down, but I just kept going and going and going. So we're just going to read the whole chapter. Because God's word often says it a lot better than what I will say. Isaiah 53 says this, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Okay, family, think about it. He's not the, the blue-eyed surfer Jesus that you see depicted in pictures. He was just a normal Middle Eastern guy. Just a normal person. 
He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Here, underline this next part. It says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, by his wounds, family, we are what? Healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off, cut off out of the land of living, stricken for the transgression of my people. It says this, And they made, a, they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. He didn't sin, right? And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. Hear this now. Good news is coming, family. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and hear this. Be satisfied. Hear these words. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet, this is the good news, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. This is good news for us today, family. He bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. What is this telling us? Jesus gets it. Jesus gets it. God in his love came in the flesh and walked where we walked, lived where we lived, experienced what we have experienced. God is not distant, but is very near to you. And Jesus has a special place of compassion. I'm speaking now to to a specific group, that group we would call survivors. You've gone through some stuff, but hear these words, the Lord is righteous. He loves you. He is near to you. And we as a church, my hope and prayer is this, that we are the manifestation of His loving kindness. We are the light and that we stand beside you singing the song that the Israelite pilgrims did as we we journey on this road of life together. We know this, that, that the victory over trauma and sin has ultimately been covered by the precious blood of Jesus. His blood not only covers our sins, but the sins that have been committed against us. That we can rest in His loving kindness. The Father looks upon you, each and every one of you who is in Christ, who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus with eyes of compassion. You are His children. He calls us sons and daughters. We call Him Father through faith in His Son. 
And it reminds me of this, this this relationship that we have. We have Jesus with us, beside us and within us. It reminds us, going back to our movie glory, there's a soldier that gets up and his name is Private Jupiter. And if you watch the movie, all throughout the movie, Private Jupiter stutters and stammers quite a bit when he talks. You can barely understand what he's saying. But when this man stands up to pray, he says this, without stuttering, clear as day, he says, tomorrow we go into battle. He says this, so Lord, let me fight with my rifle in one hand and the good book in the other. And he holds up the Bible. That if I should die at the muzzle of the rifle, die on water or on land, he says this, I want you to hear these words. I may know that you... Blessed Jesus Almighty, hear this, are with me. Are with me. And he says this, I have no fear. Amen. Jesus is with us and we have no fear. Amen. Family, the Lord is with you and for you. As we collectively pray in this this manner for those Christians around the world suffering at the hands of persecution and also as we pray for those among us who have struggled and suffered through oppression and abuse, the survivors. As a church, we, we stand with you. We pray for you. We love you. The Lord is, hear this good news, the Lord is righteous and He cuts the cords of the wicked.